0: Hello and welcome to the Minted Genius Podcast. My name is Leela and I'm happy to be with you as we celebrate creativity, human ingenuity and mint our genius like raw gold into precious coins of achievement. Today, I'd like to talk to you about kudos and criticism. Whenever we put something out into the world, we risk feedback. Obviously kudos feel good. It's applause, it's awards, it's best-selling status, it's movies that have huge box office, it's songs that are huge hits, and music videos that go viral. It's a wonderful feeling. Oftentimes people work for years to get to that feeling, or they get it right out of the gate. Either way though, you're still going to be dealing with some form of criticism, no matter how many kudos you get. Criticism, can feel destructive, it can feel undermining, especially when something is in its early stages. So before you share your work with anyone, you have to have a certain degree of security within yourself and within the project and what it is you're going for. A great example of that is Michael Crichton's early drafts of Jurassic Park. When he started writing Jurassic Park, he shared the draft, the early draft with some of his trusted readers. Now, had they had prophecy, had they known they would have said, wow, what a great idea. This is going to be a huge hit. It's going to be a massive multi-billion dollar franchise. Keep going. Instead, they hated it, hated it. Now, if Michael Crichton had been very sensitive, if he had ter- like, well, I certainly can relate to the sensitivity of, of an artist, but if he had turned around and said, uh, wow, I must suck. This this project must suck. I. I don't know what I'm doing. Obviously, I better put it in a drawer and hang my head in shame and hope nobody knows my name. But luckily, that's not what he did. He simply rewrote it. And guess what? They hated it again and again, until he finally got to the core problem, which was they didn't want to read what he had written, which was a child's point of view of dinosaurs that escaped from an amusement park. They wanted to read their point of view as adults. If you look at Jurassic Park and especially the the first film and the franchise that it launched, the idea of adults and children being in danger, interacting, having to save the family unit, even if it's an ad hoc family unit that is not the traditional family unit, that is what he wrote. And you know, it's perfect blend of what he originally envisioned and what the feedback allowed him to consider and then incorporate. Ultimately, it's always your choice as an artist, what you wish to incorporate. What Michael Crichton incorporated resulted in a four-quadrant Hollywood blockbuster franchise. Four-quadrant refers to hitting the major demographics of all four, you know, moviegoers. So male, female, and uh, under 25 and over 25. So male, female, under 25, over 25 is what four-quadrant you know, really means. However, the way I look at it is, are you hitting singles, families, couples, and friends? So when people go to see your movie, are they going alone, are they going with family, are they going as a couple, or are they going as friends? And if you create something where, where everybody goes and all those different configurations, then you have something that is like incredibly powerful and hits so many different people in terms of the connection, heart, mind, spirit. For me what i find is very powerful is to understand when i am or am not open to criticism when it is that i have to stay focused on my vision and dream for something and get it to a certain shape before i open it up to feedback i have found that that's really important for me and i know other creative people that swear by that as well especially authors they have to get something to a certain point before they're able to take any feedback because otherwise they could be knocked off the trajectory of what they intend for that project and they need to establish it strongly enough before they open it up to other readers that's why sometimes if i'm sitting in a cafe and i'm writing and someone says what are you writing i could be writing the same thing the next 5 10 20 times they ask me because i'm developing and i'm doing layers and i'm doing drafts and that's very typical if you're an author One of the things about kudos and criticism, if you look at it from a Stoic perspective um, in Greco-Roman ancient philosophy, is the idea that we should be somehow sort of centered regardless of whether there's pleasure or pain, regardless of whether there's the pleasure of having our work seen and appreciated and recognized versus having our work essentially trashed. And that regardless of whether there's kudos and criticism, Ideally, developing the ability to stay centered and all that makes us better and stronger and and more creative because we have more freedom to trust ourselves. I would take it a step further and say that we need to master kudos and criticism. We need to understand our relationship to kudos and criticism in such a way that it only enhances our original creative intention for how it is we want to connect and what it is we're trying to create. I find the best kind of feedback is actually when someone really understands what it is I'm aiming for and has a great nuanced way of making suggestions that completely support the trajectory of what it is I'm going for. Even when something is a compliment, it doesn't necessarily help if it's not in the direction of what it is that's being created. So a great example of that is because I use humor, sometimes what will happen is someone will read something I've I've created, like my memoir, Hot Sailor, Cold Margarita and Trouble, and say, oh, that's cute. And they won't see all the many layers, whereas someone else will read it and they will find it anything but cute because they're connecting with the deeper meaning and layers of that story. I've had people, you know, love my book and the design, the interior design in particular, and I've had someone say they can't buy it because they don't like the font, which was quite hilarious when it happened at the time in a bookstore signing. The reality is, is that you never know what it is people are going to resonate with, which is why you cannot focus on kudos. You cannot focus on pleasing everyone. Really, it's focusing on the art, art form itself, whatever it is that you're engaged in, whether it's the art of you know, film, TV, books or business, you know, whatever it is you're actually engaged in, focusing on uh, developing your form as an artist, developing your dance moves as an artist is is how I like to, uh, you know, compare it to. Focusing on that will help you master kudos and criticism because at the end of the day, you're really asking, how am I connecting with what it is I'm creating? Criticism, strong criticism, can sometimes be a form of connection. I've heard creative people say, I don't care if someone loves or hates my work, I just don't want them to be indifferent. And I totally understand that, the idea that you're creating a strong reaction. I know an artist in particular that loves to confront. I tend to like to uplift and comfort in my work, but this particular artist likes to confront. So if he gets a strong negative reaction, he's somewhat charged by that because he knows he's having an impact. It may not be the impact I would want to have, but it works for him because his work tends to be more politically confrontational. At the end of the day, you have to decide what actually is a kudo or criticism to you. When you're out there putting your work out in the world, in Michael Crichton's case, the phrase, I hate it, became this galvanizing, amazing insight into figuring out what the core issue was to creating one of the greatest hits, movie hits of all time and getting Steven Spielberg on board to direct it uh, initially. So he was able to turn criticism into this incredible opportunity to tweak and fine tune something into a massive, massive hit, probably the biggest hit of his career. And he was already, you know, a great talent and continued to be. At the same time, you know, the whole thing about kudos, we have to learn often, especially early on, to be surrounded by people really see what we do and even if that's only one great mentor or one great coach or one wonderful friend that just sees what we do and cheers us on. Oftentimes I find like, you know, we're having worked in television, having pitched in Hollywood, et cetera, there's this whole thing about, oh, you know, your friends and family don't know, you have to get out there, it has to be professional, but sometimes in a person's early development, it is a friend or family member, um, whether that's, you know, Elton John's grandmother, or whether that's someone's, you know, junior high teacher that spots that talent and, and whispers, keep going, you've got something special. Never underestimate the power of friends and family because they can make or break, especially a young person's trajectory and how we feel about ourselves and and the feedback feedback that we get can really have an impact on whether or not we're able to step up for ourselves and keep continuing to create, regardless of what that feedback is. I, of course, use kudos for fuel and I use criticism as a means of reflecting on what I can improve. But what I've also learned is that if you have the type of personality that pleases other people, that can be very dangerous. And the reason that can be dangerous is because you can have the exact audience member the type of person you're creating for writing for love a particular part of what you do a chapter or a scene love it and you might run it by someone who may be more experienced maybe more professional maybe more talented and they just like it but they're not the target audience it's really incredibly important that you know who you're creating for and what and a big part of Who you're creating for is who you most want to connect with. And whether that's a small audience or a big audience result, being able to hit the bullseye of actually having it connect with people the way you most dreamed of and intended, that's an incredible feeling. And that's more important than having the praise of someone that may not actually be the target audience. So in both kudos and criticism, in both those cases, how you interpret that feedback and whether you utilize it or not has to come down to you developing your inner instinct for what best represents what you are desiring of putting out in the world. What choice can you make creatively, artistically that most represents your heart, your soul, your vision, your spirit? That choice is what matters most, regardless of kudos or criticism. Now, naturally, I wish you huge blockbuster hits and big bestsellers and all of those amazing things I'd wish for yourself. But being able to master your internal reaction to kudos and criticism, that's going to feel amazing. That's going to feel powerful. Give yourself applause for what you do well. And utilize criticism sparingly only for the ways in which you really do need to tweak and improve something to achieve the wider connection you're working for. I believe in you and I wish you the most incredible week ahead, mastering kudos and criticism. I know you're a rock star, a genius, and you're minting your genius every single day. And that's what matters most. Have an amazing week ahead. This is Leela from Minted Genius. Thank you for listening.